Welcome to the Kevin and Fred Show. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-founder, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast, The Kevin and Fred Show, where once a week we bring to you a expert interview. Every single Monday, we interview one of the brightest and best in the world, usually in, in the real estate space, sometimes in technology, sometimes in entrepreneurship, sometimes just in forward thinking. The things that are going to help us learn to move forward are the things that we're interested in bringing to you on this podcast, so we don't keep it limited to just real estate agents. And I think you'll find that really valuable if you've been listening or if you're a new listener, all in the same. We also bring you once a week something we call industry headlines, which is a look at what is going on in the real estate world, what's happening in the mortgage space, what's happening in the technology space. Bring that to you in a short form, 10, 15 minute podcast at the most once a week on Wednesdays. We're also a proud member of the industry syndicate family of real estate and mortgage podcasts. Check out that app in the app store. Again, that's industry syndicate. And if you would, please please do us a favor. Please, please, please leave us a review, download, subscribe, share an episode with a friend. We would love it. There is no better way to say thank you, except for maybe a real estate referral because we are, after all, real estate agents and we love real estate referrals. We're based in the Phoenix area and would love to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in to the Kevin and Fred Show. All right, we're back and joined by my longtime friend uh, and fellow Phoenix native realtor, Phoenix area realtor, Steve Valentine. Steve, how's it going, buddy? Awesome. What about you? Doing good, man. Can't complain. All things considered, doing really well. Um, right. By the way, I got to ask, where, where are you recording this podcast from today? Are you part of Arizona or are you? <laughs> Where's Waldo, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually in my home office in Phoenix today or in Peoria. Awesome. Cool. So for the folks out there who maybe don't know you yet, Steve, give us uh, give, give us like the one minute bio, like how long you've been in real estate, what got you into real estate to know that might actually take more than a minute. So feel right. free. Um, <laughs> Where do I even start with and, that? Uh, let's kind of start there. I got a few different topics I want to chat with uh, you cool. today about. So 20 years in the business, um, started off with a team with my parents uh, lost everything in, uh, 07 and, uh, went all the way to the top and being part of the second, uh, national team with my parents. And then, um, you know, we, we got into the REO business. That was a blessing. We sold about 5,000 homes for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and dug out of our debt. And then, um, you know, my dad passed about five, six years ago. It, it kind of catapulted me into the investment side of the business. You know, I really learned and knew the uh, the traditional side, and then it catapulted me in the investment side. And today, we're really focused on second homes, investment, acquiring properties, and really focused on helping agents solve problems for clients where everybody wins. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that um, stuck out to me, and and I'll give for a little context for the listeners who don't know. So, Steve and I have known each other for a long, long time. Um, we got to know each other over a transaction on, on Burning Tree, which I don't want to really totally rehash out because I still have nightmares about that from time to time. But we literally met on a cross deal, became friends, and uh, you know, have helped each other quite a bit over the years, learned from each other's mistakes, learned from each other's wins. Uh, Steve, you mentioned right before we right before I hit record that normally we'd be doing this over lunch, but not not in the uh, current environment uh, with COVID and all the other crap that's going on. Uh, not as easily able to do that. Um, so I know quite a bit about Steve. I'll try not to give away all the punchlines, but all, all that to say, one of the things I really like about Steve or one of the things I've learned from you, Steve, is I, I remember you said to me, you noticed how, uh, 
you know, you're so grateful for everything your dad taught you and, and you saw him build this really cool business, but you also saw him make a lot of other people really rich. Um, mm -hmm. And you decided at a certain point, you, you decided, well, hold on a second. Like, I see these opportunities too. I know what a good deal is. I'm going to get in the game too and not just make other people rich, but I'm also going to help myself and help my family's future. And, uh, and then it sort of seems like it sort of became a passion for you to share that with other agents. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that we're not taught is that, uh, the real estate license, you know, talking to somebody yesterday, it's like, Oh yeah, it's easy to get a real estate license. You can make a bunch of money. You can save a bunch of money. Right. That's, that's always a thing with it. But one thing that's not taught to any of us is that the real estate license is really an opportunity to build wealth. And the reason for that is that you get into the business and you learn it, right? You're learning how to do comps, you're learning values, you're learning neighborhoods. And with that education comes a thing that most people forget about. It's the ability to see opportunity. If, if I know my neighborhood really, really well and something comes on the market at way below, that should be an instant ability to create wealth in some way, shape or form. But if you're not looking at those opportunities and you're just looking at it from a standpoint, which I remember being this, oh man, somebody just listed something in my backyard, right? But there's, there's a lack of foreseen opportunity in the business and it's a lack of investing in what you truly know. You know, it's kind of like equate to a stockbroker, right? Stockbroker typically stays away from real estate, but they typically are invested pretty heavy in stocks because they know it so well. They see opportunity. They can see the future in what they're doing. And as real estate agents, we tend not to do that. We're too busy trying to chase the commission to get that quick paycheck rather than the long-term wealth piece of it. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that's what it is? Is that the thing that stops most, most agents from um, going in and actually buying more investment, buying real estate, as opposed to just always looking to represent somebody on the purchase or sale? Oh, I think, I mean, I can remember back to a house that I had over on Moon Valley Golf Course. You know, when I saw the opportunity, it was the opportunity to double dip the commission and represent the buyer and seller, not the opportunity of, okay, I've got this deal. Who can I partner with? Where can I get the money? How can I take this on and make myself wealthier or better set than just passing it on for that 10, 12 grand and going, okay, that was a big win. Moving on to the next thing. I can't tell you how many agents, when I know people aren't prepared for it always, but how many agents have brought me deals. Same thing with the wholesaler market. They're so, it's such a roller coaster, right? It's always about the next deal, the next deal. And they, you pay for that contract and it's on to the next. But can I tell you all the homes that I bought from wholesalers that made five grand in 2015, what those homes are currently worth? Quite a bit more. Right. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. So as you, what you, you've kind of you've built your business, you mentioned uh, doing the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac thing, sold a ton of REOs um, and then transitioned back as our, as our, as our market here in the Phoenix area transitioned back and, that's when I noticed you really start to pay more attention to um, investment opportunities and find, finding other um, other deals and uh, solutions, as you would call it, right for your, right. For your clients, right? Um, right? So, I mean, how do you like give us an idea? Like, how many transactions have you done? Like, forget about the as a real estate agent. I know, like, it's thousands and thousands and right. thousands. We can't right. probably can't keep track of those anymore. Give me an idea of like how many how many investment deals have you been a part of where you were actually party to it um 
at this point, we're probably approaching near a thousand in the last five years where I've either acquired the property, I've, you know, wholesaled it, or I've been a partner to it. Um, I mean, we've approached, we're just a little under 600 homes flipped in the last five years where we've actually gone in, purchased, renovated and resold. Awesome. So just a little under 600 flipped and then give me an idea. Like what are your, what's your, like, what's the right word for it? Rental portfolio. Like what does that look like right now for you? So the rental portfolio, we started collecting in 2015 and um, we've amassed. So we have a little bit of commercial, um, which is the office building I'm sitting in now. And uh, then we've got our primary, we've got a secondary and then three VRBOs and 28 single family rentals. Awesome. That's cool. Is, do you have like a certain, is there like a number that you're after? Like, Hey, I want to have like 30 properties, 50 properties, a hundred, or is it just like, Hey, I see a deal and I'm, I'm going to buy it. It's the 50, 50 at 50. So, Tell me about um, that. so 50 single family homes, okay. um, $50,000 a month, uh, income. So they'd be free and clear by the age 50. So I've got eight years. Um, the cash flow has definitely increased immensely. <laughs> So I don't know that I need 50, but the goal is to get to that 50 properties free and clear by the age 50. That's awesome, dude. What a, what a cool goal and what a like very clear, easy way to get to. And I'm, I'm hoping you'll be able to make it off of 50 grand a year or 50 grand a month. Like, I don't know. I mean, if you clip coupons, you might do all right. Right. <laughs> well, it's, it's not, you know, and the funny thing about that, it's not just the income, it's the portfolio that's free and clear. Yeah. Right. So it's all this equity that's amassed um, that's creating income. Yeah. Which, I mean, then we could have a whole other conversation around what does that equity do for you, right? Like you see some, a bigger opportunity could be in real estate space or not, but I mean, it gives you, just gives you a world of options at that point. Yep. Yep. Awesome. And then, so one of the cool things too, Steve, I like about your business is, so you've done the, you've done the whole thing from like, I'll call it regular agent, you know, buyer's agent, regular agent, um, listing agent for Fannie and Freddie, really diving into um, the investment side of things. And one of the things I appreciate about you two there, just as a side note, is like how much you've tried to give back to other agents and help other agents discover those opportunities and and to help them go out and, you know, help help themselves buy more properties and not just always be representing someone. But one of the, you mentioned having like a second home or a vacation home of yours, like just north of us here uh, in Flagstaff or Munns Park, Arizona. Um, and it's one thing where for you to just kind of spend time up there personally, but I've noticed you're spending a lot of time up there and doing actually a lot of business up there in Northern Arizona these days. What brought that on? You know, I think it's interesting and you've known me long enough to see it is that I think there's a time in your career when you've been in it. So this will be year 21 for me. Um, I've been selling, I've been officially selling real estate for half of my life. And, um, so when you look at it and you look at my career is there's always been a reinvention based on the market. Okay. I've always been looking at what's the next thing or where's their other opportunity. So, you know, if you look at it, you know, like flipping, we were really big in the flipping and my wife has gotten so sought after as a licensed general contractor and designer. She doesn't want to do work for me anymore. <laughs> so now I'm like, well, now what do I do with these houses? Like that, that was a, that was our big claim to fame. Everybody knew us for that. And now it's not as much, but so many people are like, well, what happens to what I was before? 
you know, and, and how do I transition? And so this year, um, we've owned a place up in Munns Park since 2016. It is truly like I will retire there, guaranteed. Um, that's where I want to be. And I'm watching the market up there. Now, mind you, the agents that have lived up there and worked up there have lived in a bubble because it's only 3,000 homes. It's like this little tiny community, right? But they live there, work there for the last 30 years. So they've never seen like the craziness we've seen, right? They saw the foreclosures, those types of things. Munns Park has never been any hotter as a second home destination than it has been this year because of COVID and all that other crap. So this year, as I wanted to spend more time, I didn't want to spend, I, I was super blessed, right? I didn't spend half my summer down in the hottest summer we've ever had on record. Um, I decided I was going to take a stab at, okay, new market. I've got a good team down here. I can definitely buy homes from my patio up north. I can also get to know the market and maybe I can help some buyers along the way as well. And so I just started breaking into it and I started storing like nobody's business. You know, here's where I'm at. These are the properties. This is what it looks like. And uh, it, it created a monster. Um, so I'm receiving an average of two referrals a week from agents in the Valley. Cause I think that my reputation is so good here in the Valley there's like, oh, well, I know somebody great. They can take care of you there. And they don't have to search it out. It's a simple phone call. I have a relationship with this guy. I trust this guy. It's not that typical interview process. And so that was my goal. I started out this summer. I'm like, my goal is to do one transaction a week while I'm there. So let's make it worth my time up here. So I go up on Thursdays, come back on Monday. That transitioned from Munns Park to Sedona to Flagstaff. And now you know, I'm just learning it. I'm spending a ton of time on the road, but I, it's, it's new, right? It's kind of exciting. It's new. Um, dealing with second homeowners is a little different than dealing with primary because it's, it's more of an emotional, I want it purchase rather than. Makes so sense. it's, uh, I think agents really need to understand that no matter how long you've been in the business, don't get so set and don't be so complacent with what you do to not try to go outside the box, reinvent yourself. It doesn't always have to be this transactional piece. So, okay. So two things that, that like, I want to like dig into on that, uh, what you just said is um, there's the reinvention piece, which I can definitely relate to and would love to talk about. Um, but what I also heard is like, Hey, you're like, I'm going <laughs> to get the hell out of Phoenix or the hell out of hell. Cause it's so hot here. Right. For the summertime. <laughs> And, and go to my second home in Munns Park where it's significantly cooler. Um, but I'm going to not just be here. I'm going to, I'm going to do business here. Right. So I'm going to take this thing that is like half, uh, I don't want to say vacation, but personal time. And I'm actually turning into some work while I'm here too. Like, do you, what, like, what was it that made you decide, Hey, I'm going to do that in my time away from home, if you will, or in my, my second home, why, why turn that into work? You know, that's really funny you say that because I told Wendy this weekend, I'm like, okay, I've taken my place as Zen and turned it into, you know, work mode. Um, but part of it is, is that I love it up there and I can help people. And I think that, you know, I hate talking crap about agents, but they just do a piss poor job up there and nobody's seen anything like what I can bring from the Valley. And, you know, I'm probably half the age of the average real estate agent up there. So um, I just thought it could be done better. I thought the community could be promoted better. 
And these are agents that have become complacent. So it was, it was a mission to go, I can do this here. And it's, I get to help my friends and family and people like experience the second home. And, you know, there's a whole nother thing that's come off it for, for me that I'm creating a course and a class on is, you know, we've actually figured out how to take it to the extreme with our second home. So I'm helping a lot of business owners save a lot of taxes with a second home strategy. And there's a, there's a whole craziness that runs around in my head on that, that we've gone through and vetted and it's uh, it's pretty insane. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear, hear more about that. And then, so the other piece I want to dive into is like the reinvention, right? So markets change and Steve changes, right? So Steve changes Mm -hmm. and, does what he's got to do in order to survive and to not just survive. Cause like, you, it's not like you're the average agent. Like you, you've always produced at a super high level, regardless of what the market was doing. Um, like how, how do you do that? Like, is that a mindset? Like who, does someone teach you to do that? Like what, what's the, how do you do that? It's really, you know, I've got teenagers right now, so it's the same I think it's the same drive that I had when I was a kid. And I think this is where it ultimately comes from. When I was probably 11 or 12, I wanted a pair of Air Jordans when they came out. They were the black Nike flights, right? They were like yeah. the suede. They were, they were awesome. I wanted those. And I remember my dad put me in the car when I told him I wanted those and the price tag they were. Like what's funny now is like, you're like 125 bucks. So what? And back then it was like, I was in seventh grade, 125 bucks back then. Right. And and during that time, which I didn't realize till later on life was the time that my parents were going through one of the cycles in real estate, which was the 1990 savings and loan crash, you know, where they were dealing with all this stuff and they were broke and I'm wanting a $125 pair of shoes, but I didn't know any better as to what was going on. And so my dad took me to Kmart. And I swear to God, he walked me in, he took me down an aisle, a shoe aisle, and there was a pair of white, generic, they looked like hospital shoes with two Velcro strips on it. They were $9.99. And he picked them up and he says, this is what I will contribute to your Nikes. This is what I have to do as a parent is put shoes on your feet. Nothing else. He's like, so if you want to work and save for that $115 to buy your shoes, knock yourself out. Here's all the things you can do. You can deliver flyers for me. You can mow lawns. You can knock on neighbor's doors. You can do all that. So at an early age, it was a drive to want something more or something better for myself. And that was always all through high school. You know, it was, I wanted the the loudest stereo in my truck. I wanted the most obnoxious car possible. And I was willing to work. I was willing to sacrifice all summer launching hot air balloons, mowing lawns to get what I wanted to get to that piece. Now the motivations changed a little bit, but the drive is still there. Right. So it's, it's more for life rather than possessions. It's more for kids and memories and having things like second homes and vacations because it creates memories, not so much the possession part of it. So it's really been a drive. So when somebody takes something away from you, like when we lost everything in 07 and we're talking about catastrophe and I know that you know this and you've heard this, we, uh, we were partners with my parents. We lost a million dollars worth of cash and assets. And we were stuck with a million dollars worth of personally guaranteed debt and two toddlers. Like that's how we started life. Um, so the drive was 
you can either give up or you can work your ass off for it. And we chose not to file bankruptcy. And, you know, the REO days came and Wendy and I were both working 20 hours a day driven to get out of where we were to something better. Yeah. I remember, man, I remember, I remember those days. Um, and then, you know, it's crazy though. Like you say that kind of like, yeah, I just always wanted, you know, at first when you're younger, you wanted things there, there was different possessions you wanted. Um, and that that's what brought the drive out, you know, in you, but you know, you, you mentioned REOs, like you and I both know so many agents, especially here in Phoenix, right? Cause we were just like such the hotbed uh, for foreclosures. Um, so many agents that did a lot of business, maybe even more business than you in the REO days that like some, some of them aren't even in business. These days. Like they couldn't yep. shift out of it. Right. Like they yep. were for whatever reason, they couldn't adjust to the new market, to what was going on and how to, how to go build a new business. Why? I think that's true for a lot of, not everybody, but I think that's true for a lot of people. What's the missing thing there? Like why can't people adjust or why do a lot of agents not adjust when a market makes a drastic change like it did for us, you know, going out of the, out of the short sale REO days and into the, you know, that first run up we had starting to what, 11, 12. I can, I can answer that very, very clearly from the days when I was a new agent and I was probably a little cocky, a little ego, right? Um, we're taught early on, like, this is my commission. And we're taught that, you know, I'm not going to negotiate and, and I'm going to be a certain way, right? I'm going to dress a certain way because this is what the norm is. Um, these are all the things that is like the cliche realtor, right? Um, and you know, what I would say is that it's the same thing that I teach when, when I speak and stuff, it's opportunity, right? If, if you're not looking around at opportunity outside the box, right? If you're always looking at everything as when I walk in this door, it's a listing. And if I don't get the listing, then I have to go walk into another door and try to get that listing. So, you know, my score is one out of 10 appointments, I get a listing. And I'm looking at it as there's, there's 10 opportunities to do something with, and they may not all be listings because that's the only focus. It's all we've been taught. And so when you look at different markets, it's always, what is the opportunity? So REOs was an opportunity that was given to me. And I was going to be the biggest brown nosing freaking, I didn't care what I had to do to get ahead. If I had to be up at midnight taking calls from asset managers, that's what I was going to do. You know why? Because that's what drove the business back to me. And I had one opportunity. You've heard me do it when I speak, right? I play Eminem's song. You have one opportunity. You have one shot. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. We get into this business and we get our real estate license. We've got one opportunity to go through it. We've got one opportunity to build wealth, to create opportunities, to help people solve problems. And you get paid at the end of it, but so many people come into it with wanting to get paid up head ahead that they miss all the opportunity that's, that's in front of them. Yeah. It's like we get, um, that's the word I'm looking for, like tunnel vision. Right. And so mm -hmm. you can only see like what's right in front of us. And if we happen to be focused on, let's say the listing, right. So a listing commission or even a buy side commission, doesn't matter. Like we're focused on this one solution, uh, that we miss the fact that there might be four other answers to the same problem. And three of them might actually make us more money over the, over the long run. Mm -hmm. And they might even be better for the other parties at the same time. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's it. It's an opportunity mindset. You know, it, it's one of those things that I learned from my dad, you know, God rest his soul. But if you ever looked at my mind shift change was when my dad got cancer, I looked at his business and I'm like, huh, if a couple of these things were just tweaked from outside looking in, there's more here. And this is probably why I'm so passionate about it with the agents is like, look, my dad spent 40 years in this business. He went through like nine market changes, lived through 18% interest, and he died not owning one piece of real estate, but yet he made and built million, multi-million dollar portfolios for investors, for pennies on the dollar. All he was was a slave to the investor. And he never once said, you know what? I'm going to do this for me. And I'm going to make sure that some of this wealth is created. I'm allowed to have the opportunity. And I think that's, that's a mindset. I just, I just went through a transaction with an agent recently. She brought me a deal and I said, okay, you are missing the opportunity here. And, you know, you're going to pay me to show you how to never miss this again. And the problem was she came and she's like, well, I listed it. It's a total train wreck. And I explained it to her from a different point. She's been in the business 18 years. She's never seen it. So I took something that she literally would have made $4,000 on because it was a $110,000 house and turned it into ten dollars to $15,000 and still solved the seller's problem but she wasn't looking at it from the standpoint of her own. And, and this is, this is one thing that the agents don't, don't see is give me an opportunity. I will say yes. And then I will go find the money. I will go find a partner. I will go do whatever it takes to find, to take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of me. How does, um, like there's someone listening right now who like they realize yeah, like, you know, I'm hearing a lot of myself and what, what this guy Steve's talking about. Um, but I'm not sure even how to look for the opportunity. I'm not sure how to not have tunnel vision. Like, how do you, what do you say to that person? How do you, how do you coach them? Like, what do you, what advice do you give them to help them start to think differently? Because I think the sacrifice comes in this. It comes in, you have to stop looking at the front door and stop thinking about your next paycheck and start latching onto that drone and, and going 30,000 feet above and going, Hey, you know, when I look at a listing appointment, I look at, does this fit in my buy box for my rental portfolio? Does it potentially work for an investor? What kind of condition it's going to be in, you know, all these different opportunities that I spell out to the seller and say, you have a, B, C, D, and E take your pick. Like, I don't care. It's the candy shop. One of these ways, we're all going to win, we're all going to make money, and we're all going to walk away happy. But if we go into it with a standpoint of it's just a listing, it's just a listing appointment, right? I don't call them listing appointments anymore. I call them seller strategy appointments because a lot of times I walk away from a listing and convince them to keep the house as a rental property and we're going to go buy something else because that's what's best for them. But nobody's talked them to talk themselves out of a job for somebody's greater good because if I don't get this listing, I can't feed my family. Yeah. That's a problem. Like there's, there's a lot of problems with that. Um, so, all right. So shifting gears a little bit, we talked about kind of like the, the reinvention um, piece and as markets shift, you've always kind of 
said, okay, I'm going to shift with it and I'm going to do what I got to do. Dude, it's been a crazy freaking year. Here we are recording this in August, 2020. This has been a, this has been a, this has been a year, right? And it's only August and it's been a hell of a year. Um, lot of speculation going on. People are, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, we're going to see more short, short sales and foreclosures because of, um, because of all the stuff that the uh, mortgage companies have done with forbearances, et cetera. I don't, I don't really buy into that, but um, you know, we, here we are in Phoenix, we're seeing now for me. So like, I haven't been in the business as long as you, I got licensed in 07 um, in, when there was like 59,000 houses for sale. And right. here we are today in, the, in Phoenix and there's 8,000 houses for sale. Like I've never seen inventory this low. Um, what dude, what the hell is next? Like, what do you think if you, and I'm not saying crystal ball, like tell me what you see happening in the next couple of months. I'm just like, if you had to guess though, on like what the next six months to maybe even a couple of years is going to look like, how do you, what do you think might, might occur here as it become, as it pertains to us as realtors, like people that are going to be out in there, like what's the market going to look like? What do you think some of the opportunities might be that maybe aren't present today? I think it's interesting because I think that, you know, even over the last couple of years, um, the industry and the space has changed, right? And I think that if you're, if you continue to do the same things that we've done for God, since real estate was created, right? Which is, it's, it's always the, the sale or the buy and there's no creativity, there's no structure to it. I think that, that your business is, it's going to go down, right? It's, it's going to be cut out. I mean, a lot of people have already experienced that with the iBuyers, um, you know, with some of that market share being taken away, but it's still a very small percentage. Um, I think that as buyer's agents are, and same thing with seller's agents, right? The commissions have come down a little bit, you know, depending on who takes it. I know like up in Northern Arizona, it's standard to two and a half percent. We haven't totally seen that down here, but you are seeing people get a little bit more brazen with, you know, those commissions, which means either the prices are going up <laughs> or we got to sell more houses, take your pick. But when you look at our market, I agree with you. Somebody asked the other day, oh, we're, we're going to see more foreclosures. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that. Why would we see more foreclosures? People have the greatest amount of equity in their homes than they ever have right? Because of the turnover from 08 Literally ever. Yeah. to now, right? Unless they pulled a bunch of money. And I still think that all the stats are showing that people have still been um, very uh, conservative with what they've pulled out in equity lines and what they've used it for. It's not like, I mean, geez, everybody had a boat and a new truck in 2004 and their house paid for it, right? Yep. And then it was on a negam loan. There was all this craziness that went through it. So forbearance, yeah, that, that's definitely going to be in your lower income stuff. But if somebody can't pay their mortgage and they've got $50,000 in equity in it, they're not going to let it go to foreclosure. I mean, there's going to be some that don't know what to do and they just don't have the right sure. tools, right? It's going to happen. You're not going to see what we experienced in the REO days. It would, it would take just a major catastrophe for that to happen. But then I think with the pandemic stuff, we have people from all over the country. Like I want out of where I'm at and I'm out of here. You know, the West coast is having a mass exodus right now on um, some of the East coast as well. I know uh, our good friend, Bernie Espinosa posted yesterday, like Scottsdale was the most moved to place in the last six months. That's awesome. So the prices are going to go up. Rents are at an all time high. So where, where does it go? 
right, it really has no option but to go up because we're a shortage of housing. We're not seeing the inventory pick up. And even if you could sell your house at top dollar, where are you going? So I think that that's, um, I think that's, that's where we're going. You know, I, I think our prices are going to continue to go up. I don't know if they're going to go up as much as they have in the last couple of months, but who knows back yeah. to the crystal ball, right? Last couple of months have just been absolutely crazy around here. I mean, yeah. it, it was crazy, you know, pre pandemic. I, I think I remember looking at the stats like early March coming in and looking at the amount of listings going like, whoa, we are way below even last year which felt like a seller, like a pretty decent seller's market. Right. And, and then pre pre COVID kind of shutdown, I was thinking like, yeah, this is, this is crazy. What a competitive year this turned out to be. And then I think the natural thought was like, Oh crap, what's going to happen. And then everyone sort of chilled out. Now it's like, Whoa, okay. The demand has done nothing but grow and the supply has done nothing but shrink. It's been, it's been a wild ride. And I'm hearing that you know, from agents and markets all over the country. You should, you should see it in the second home market. Um, it's, you know, so many people are not traveling and they're not going anywhere and their kids can do school from home. Well, why would they stay down here in this miserable heat? So they're going up north and Munns Park alone. I mean, we're on average last year, we were about 50 to 60 homes on the market at any given time. You're lucky if there's an average of 10 on the market right now. And those are the same 10 that have been on the market for the last 10 weeks. Wow. Okay. That's Everything crazy. up there is, is selling for multiple offers. And this is not stupid loans either. You know, I have the same conversations with people up there. Like, is the market going to tank? Well, when all these people are putting 20 to 40% down on these homes, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're not letting that go. That's, that's yeah. different than no money down. That's way right. different than no money down right. or even 5% down. Um, so, you know, can, can we kind of back up a little bit? You know, you asked about, you know, the agent that, you know, what, what do they see, right? When, when they're listing and what opportunities are they looking for? It, it's really interesting, Kevin. And, and you know that I've struggled with this cause I've shared it with you, right? Uh, 20 years. I think I've switched CRMs 95 times. I'm pretty sure that counts 97, but yeah. Um, I've tried every one of them and I hate all of them because <laughs> you know, it's, it's a client relation manager, right? And I can tell you right now, my relationships is what I make my money off of my ability to have a conversation with someone, my ability to have confidence in what we're talking about and my ability to show somebody a solution and how we're going to solve it. If it means putting on the market, great. If it means buying it, great. Um, and it's constantly looking to build the relationship rather than the sale constantly looking to build the relationship rather than the sale i want to yep. let that one sit for a minute because i think that's super valuable um and it's not something that's not something that's paid enough attention to in our industry so let me give you a great example i've been playing racquetball for 10 years the same gym with the same old guy a uh, guy 77 years old. He runs with me for two hours a week on the court. There's another guy he's introduced to a couple of times. Lives around the corner from, wealthy guy. And I find out that he's got this house in Munns Park that's two doors down from me, and it's looked abandoned forever. And I'm like, okay, hey, the guy's got a bunch of money. Why is this house sitting here? I have been working not to get a listing from him, but just to like, hey, can 
tell me what your number is. Like, what do you want to net out of this house? Like if I can find that number, find a buyer, can I, can I bring the buyer? Right. So, you know, eight weeks ago, beginning of summer, I, I tried to buy it from him for 400 grand. And he's like, no, no, you know, I paid 550 for it. I'm like, well, yeah, that was your problem, not mine. Um, <laughs> and uh, so he had it on the market last year at 550. It didn't do anything. It sat for another year. Like, I just do not understand this. Um, so this summer I said, you know, I finally got a hold of him. We talked and I said, hey, let, let me try, try to get this net number. Can I throw a sign in the yard? I totally violated the clear cooperation crap. I didn't have a listing or anything. I just put a sign in the yard. And uh, he said, I want, I want a net 475 out. I'm like, okay. So whatever I can get over 475, I can keep. And obviously it's a little tricky on that end of it because we're talking about commissions and other agents calling and all that other stuff. Finally, this week, I got him to take my 440 offer. Okay. Nice. So he takes my 440 offer and I just bought the house basically at 50 cents on the dollar in a market that's insane because the guy just didn't want to put it on the market. I asked him 12 times to put it on the market. He just didn't want to sign the agreements. So I just bought it at $1.60 a square foot and the average price per square foot is 300 to 325. In one of the hottest markets we've ever seen. So what, let me ask you this, like, what do you do with that? Like, is the, what's the strategy? You're going to flip it? Is that become another vacation rental? No. Um, so put some Wendy's, money into Wendy's it? got planned. Yeah. We're going to put some money into it. We'll turn around and sell it. Um, there's a number of things it could be. And, and that's, that's a really good question. I always look at the opportunity, like there is some way, shape or form to make money with this. As long as I have control over it. Right. Yeah. That that's where that's where, that's where most people miss it. Wholesalers don't have any control over the sale. It's got to be done. It's got to be done right now. I don't have the opportunity. If I buy it with hard money, no matter what the cost is, early on, it used to cost me a lot of money and hard money cost. Now I've got pretty good, pretty good relationship money out there. So once I control it, I can do whatever I want with it. I can put it on MLS at a stupid price and see what I can collect. It allows me to collect leads for that CRM I don't use. And um, <laughs> it gives us the opportunity to see how much money we're going to have to put into it to see what the risk versus reward is going to be. Yeah, I think too, that's the other thing I, I want to point out for, like, for the listener, the casual, you know, someone who's listening and thinks, oh man, they bought it at, you know, whatever, 50 cents on the dollar. Yeah, but you got to do things to realize that, right? And so it's not mm -hmm. just like, Hey, I'm going to buy it at X and then sell it for two X um, tomorrow. Nope. Like I've got to put it like, I think the thing that I know about you just cause I've, you know, known you for so long and have seen and, and heard about so many of your transactions is you're going to go look at that and go, okay, like what's the best possible use, right? Like, you know, is it a flip? Like, do we go full blown renovation or is it like, Hey, let's just make this thing look livable and, you know, make sure there's all, you know, anything safety wise is taken care of and it looks decent, right. Versus, or like, Hey, let's go, let's go to the nines with everything on this house. Right. And I think there's just different decisions to make, which when you've done these types of deals, like you thousand plus or around call it, you know, give or take a few, a thousand, um, you've got the experience to go, Hey, here's my different options. Let me kind of run them out in my head and see which one might be, which one might be the best play for us given our current strategy. Right. But you can't do that if you don't have the at bats, if you don't have the experience or, you know, if you haven't actually 
swung at a few and maybe even missed, but just for just actually taking the chance to, to take a sure. swing. Sure. Right? But it's, it's also one of those things I keep telling people like flipping houses is not a good idea. <laughs> like, honestly, like unless you're flipping to keep as a rental, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. I, I was able to flip houses because it was part of our system and we were doing it in volume. I could afford to lose 20 grand on one because we made 50 on the other. It wasn't comfortable, right. didn't like it, but it was also part of the reason of doing the right thing when we did it. But if you, if you find something at 70, 80 cents on the dollar and you can put a little money into it and build equity so that you can keep it, refinance it, and move on to the next thing, that's where, that's where the ultimate wealth is. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I saw a post yesterday. I don't know about you. This drives me crazy. Um, it's actually from one of our good friends and you know who it is. It's, you know, bought this house for one seventy one, seventy five hundred $7,500 in repairs, sold it for two fifty six, seventy seven thousand $77,000 spread. Okay. Now let's talk real numbers. There was probably, if you actually paid a real estate agent, depending on, and buyer's agent, you got about a 10% cost to sale, which is about 20 grand. You, you have more than 7,500 bucks. I don't care what you say. You have three to six months worth of holding costs on hard money, unless you're still flush with cash, you're good. So at the end of the day, there might be a $20,000 spread or profit in it if everybody's lucky. Yeah, there's, you know, I, I didn't see the post. So I'm not exactly sure which, which one you're talking about, but I've seen enough posts like that to know. And I see them and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's nice math. Like that's the, that's oftentimes the person who's like, they're trying to sell, they're, they're trying to sell something else, right? Like they're not, right. it's not, it's not actually selling or, or sharing what a real deal looks like because there's, there's way more that go, that goes into it uh, than just that. It's never that easy. Um, and if it was like, you'd never tell anybody about it because you'd want to keep them right. for yourself. But I think, you know, you mentioned it. I thought about this a lot last night. Did you know that there's no way to define what a deal actually is because there are so many variables in it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's literally, you know, I always talk to our agents and uh, on our team who, especially new ones who like, you know, they meet their first investor and it's like, <laughs> I'm like, let me guess, let me guess. Hold on. Hold on. Stop me when I'm wrong. They're looking for number one, a realtor that wants to work for it. And then number two, they, they, of course they want a deal. Right. And I'm like, but what the hell is a deal? Like, tell me what you mean when you say deal, because like when I ask you what a deal is versus some, like, there's no definition. Like we all have our own definition. Depends on how you spin it. Yeah. The deal is like, it could be a really good deal if you're going to keep it for long term. It could be a being better deal if the seller's willing to carry it. Um, you know, th there's so many, you know, it could be a good deal. Do you know right now, think about this. And speaking of, I got to backtrack. You talk about these kids with their first investors. Do you know who my first investor that scared the shit out of me was? It's a Martin? mutual friend of ours. Yeah, Martin. Martin. The first investor I met, I sat at a table with a guy that has the thickest English accent <laughs> and he's running a $100 million budget for HP in their IT department. And he's asking questions that I have no clue. Thank God my dad was there. But I mean, I ended up working really hard for him and we 
you know, I made a lot of money when I sold him stuff. You made a lot of money when you short sailed. The only thing that both of our pissed at that we didn't buy all of his short sales. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so <clears throat> right now, here's the crazy thing. Talk about opportunity. You look at the inventory and under 300, it's like what? Two weeks supply of homes on the market. If that, you, you look at houses that are getting 40 offers on it or 30 offers or whatever. If I can buy something at 80 cents on the dollar or 85 cents on the dollar and I can control a part of that inventory, that's, that's what I'm looking at. I'm not Dude, getting rich gold. off it. Yeah. But hey, I, I'll be honest with you in this market today, and, and this is probably a very clear point. I don't care how hard your market is. I don't care how bad it is. It's always looking for opportunity and there's opportunity in every market, no matter what. You know, it's funny you say that, like I'm nowhere near as experienced as you are when it comes to buying, uh, you know, when it comes to buying real estate. Um, but that was the exact same thing I said to Fred. So like we, Fred and I closed on a, on a deal today, uh, which we consulted with you on. Cause like you're the first guy I call, you know, called to go, Hey, you know, here's what, here's what we're looking at. What do you think? Um, but one of the things I said before we even called you and, and decided to, to do the deal or even, you know, present an offer to do the deal was like, dude, think about this. Like we're, it's right at 300 ish, right? Just a hair under purchase price, maybe retails a hair over. Um, but it's in that sweet spot of 300. I'm like, just the opportunity to be able to control what happens with a listing right now in that market. I'm like, we got to buy it just for that reason. Like mm -hmm. there, there's, there's opportunity here. We can figure it out later, which, you know, which route to go, which ultimately we did. But yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge opportunity is just to be able to, to control more of the inventory or part of the inventory in a certain sub market. And, and here's, here's the other thing. The stuff that I'm buying right now is worst case scenario. Okay. So if I buy a house for under 200 grand, which is, right? I bought five of them this week under 200 grand and no, they're not in crappy areas. They're actually decent. Worst case scenario, those become rentals. Yeah. They will all rent between 15 and $1,700 a month. If something goes awry right now, I'm not expecting it to, but right now I control five homes in that under $200,000 range. Which in our world is huge. They're gold, right? Yeah. My entire portfolio is gold, but I just won't sell it. But you know, what comes with this is also all the relationships we've built over time that creates money. Yep. Yeah, no, that's one of the things too I love about you that you've done is like, you even mentioned it too when we were talking about like Munns Park, um, is you actually, you just, you've built a ton of relationships of people that are calling you with opportunities because you've solved so many problems and you've been willing to help other people solve problems and so, uh, you know, the more you do that, the more, the more of it you get. Hey, so I, I want to, and, and this is, this is one of the things too, that I think I've had fun with is that I've had more agents through my Instagram stories and things like that. Um, you know, which is at Steve D Valentine reach out to me and partner with me with their sellers or whatnot to solve. Like, I don't know what to do with this. What, what do I do? And I love working with the agents. Like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm your cash buyer, right? I, I'm just a tool. Don't comment on that. I heard it. Um, you you probably saw the light bulb go off right? above my I head. Know, I saw it. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm a tool in the toolbox. And guess what? We can all make money if this goes together. And so I told you before we got on the call, right? I closed my biggest deal in my career as of this morning. 3.2 million, highest price sale in Peoria. Um, I had the buyer on it in the last five years. But dude, this is not just a $3.2 million sale. Number one, it's my brother. Um, but number two, in April, my brother is packed, moving out of his house, supposed to be moving into this one, and the seller changed his mind the night before. We're doing a lease option with some down payments, some other stuff. Like, it's crazy, right? I sat in my office floor, leaning up against a chair, listening to my brother, like, going off on me. Like he's got his kids packed up. Everybody's like, I'm taking all this away. So that night, nine o'clock at night, I called the listing agent. I said, look, I said, I understand your client's reluctancy to allow somebody to move into their three and a half million dollar brand new asset. I said, but I need your sellers to look my buyers in the eyes and understand who they are. And so we sat here the next day, both buyer builder partners, the listing agent, the buyers, and myself for six hours until we ironed that freaking thing out. And everybody walked away with original signatures, money down, lease option done, and keys in my brother's hands. Dang. And then a week later, the bank shut down jumbo financing. So today, four months later, by the grace of God, we got everything wrapped up through the jumbo financing. It took us three months to get through to finally find that jumbo lender that would do it. Dude, that's, that's insane. Just but, how, how many times did you think this was going to die? There was a couple. And every time it was like, okay, what's next? What do I do here? Dan, I need you to move this around. Or we need to move funds around. Or whatever it was, we just kept moving. But... Here's the one thing if I give everybody advice. The, the agent on the other side, depending on who you are, you guys are both working towards the same common goal. And yeah. too many people want to play hero and they want to fight and they want to puff up their chest. I don't give – am I allowed to cuss on this? Yeah, I don't totally. give a, I don't give a shit how many transactions you've done it doesn't make any difference, but if we can like kill the ego and go through all that and, and we can knock some stuff out, we can make it happen. And I will work my freaking butt off to do it. But if you start out with your chest puff and all that other stuff, you're like, and you definitely don't want to piss off my partner because she'll bury you. No kidding. Um, dude, I, that's to me, that's something that's such a, a lesson that so many agents, I, I believe we could all learn more of, which is, like one of the things we have to remember is at a certain time when we have a transaction, right, that we're under contract, it's pending. Um, I think that we got to remember that like at one point, this buyer and this seller, whichever one we represent, they like they wanted the same thing. And it's yep. so much to the point that they actually put it in writing and agreed to it legally. And so often I see us as agents, like we let our egos and our, you know, Hey, I want to control this. And they, you know, get in the way of actually helping the people, our consumers who are really the, you know, the people we're supposed to be helping get what they said that they wanted mm -hmm. in writing. Like, I just, I don't know. I just, to me, that that's something that, that that's always, um, 
come to me. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate about you is like always looking for a solution regardless of what the scenario are, no matter what the situation is, what the circumstances are, you're always looking for a solution. Do you know how much fun it is to, especially some of the newer agents, doesn't matter what agents. I mean, I got a lot of agents that are 30 years in the business and think that I'm insane. But when you get a call from a lender that says, hey, I've got this agent. She was, you know, representing buyer and seller. She's got this problem. The buyers have this six month tax lien they have to fix. They're ready to move. The seller has to have their money. Can you fix this? So I call the agent. I'm like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Seller's going to drop this price. The buyer's going to agree to this price. I'm going to buy the house, pay cash for it in seven days. Seller's going to get their money. You're going to get paid your commission. And these buyers are going to be on lease purchase with the agent for six months. We close on that deal today. Everybody won. I didn't need to be the hero. I just needed to be the guide. Yeah. And, and you got to be able to think like that. Like you just got to be able to think on your toes and go, how do I do this? You also have to have the ability to humble yourself. If you don't know it, go find somebody that can help you with it. You're giving up a portion of income for an education. And I don't think enough of us spend enough money in this business for that education or the experience. Yeah. You know, that's funny. You say, I totally agree. No, not funny. I just, I totally agree with that. I think that so many of us, like we want, we want something for free. Like, Oh, Steve knows something, something, or this guy or this girl, they like they're speaking and you know, they're doing these deals that they, they should just tell me what they know for free. When like, dude, you, you put a lot of sweat, blood and tears into knowing what you know, and it's worth something like for, for someone to be able to ride shotgun with you is worth something. Um, right. And I think more of us got to be willing. I mean, I don't know if you're not willing to write a check to kind of like get, get more or kind of get to whatever your next level is, like I got to question your motivation to actually ever get there. Um, like just write the check and learn from a true professional. Like, why wouldn't you do that? To me, it's like the best money you can ever spend. It's investing in yourself. It's, it goes back to, there's no way, I mean, especially today, there's no way I ever would have gotten in this business had I not had the mentorship from my parents. And you know, it's always interesting and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody wants to talk about splits, right? Nobody ever wants to talk about the cost of education. Yeah. Um, they're, they're splitting something they haven't even earned. Right. So when I go back to my dad's, if any of you are complaining about splits, let me tell you the split I have with my dad. <laughs> and this was back in the day when we had MS DOS MLS, right? It was a black and white <laughs> printout and you had to show 25 homes on Saturday and you were beat to shit in this heat. So my dad's deal with me was I got a $500 salary a week and I got one tank of gas and I got 5% of the commission on whatever I did. That was it. That was my first two years in the business. And I sat at a two foot desk with a folding chair at the end of his desk, listening to his phone calls, doing whatever he told me to do until he felt confident enough for me to do it on my own. That, and you know what though, you, how much did you learn? Like you, Oh learned, my gosh. You learned a ton from that. I, you wonder where I get my, my crazy is like 10 times my dad's crazy, but <laughs> my, I remember the first year in the business, I saw my dad like talking about crazy. Um, this would be an attorney's love. My dad represented 
dual agency on three houses at the same time. Buyers wanted this seller's house, this seller wanted this buyer's house, and this seller wanted this buyer's house. Three houses swapped families in one day. My dad hired an entire moving company. I remember his check. It was like $112,000 for that triple swap. Dang. And my dad hired a moving company to rotate these houses in one day. That's crazy. It was insane. That's awesome. All right, dude, we got we to gotta get running uh, before we officially say goodbye. Um, anything at all that we missed or that you want to make sure that you share today before we, uh, before we sign off? You know, if, uh, so if you text, I think it's, I asked Mike for it. You can I'm send totally, it to me and I'll put okay. it in the show notes. So too I'm totally going to blow it. Um, it's just going to be interesting stories The you know, I mean, I've got cows falling in pools and, um, different things, but you know, I guess the ultimate thing at the end of the day, the love of this business is putting people first over profit and figuring out the solution, no matter the cost. Sometimes you don't always get paid for it right now. You're going to get paid down the road. And sometimes you have to give something up for the bigger opportunity. Yep. And that's, that's the ultimate goal, right? Um, and the ultimate goal is understanding that your real estate license is your license of opportunity. There's so much money that can be made in this business, not just from a commission standpoint, but from a wealth standpoint. Love that. It's a license for opportunity. That's a good one, man. Send me that information. I'll make sure people get that. Uh, your Instagram is, his Instagram is at Steve D Valentine. I'll put that in the show notes too. Anything else we need to add in there? I think that's it, man. All right, dude. It's, uh, it's fun chatting with you. Absolutely, brother. Hopefully uh, we'll do this again over a burger very soon. Right. Sounds good. All right, man. Take See it you, easy. Man. Talk to you soon. Hey, it's Kevin and Fred. Do you have a referral for us here in Phoenix? There are 30,000 agents here that you can send them to. Why us? Well, for one thing, we'll keep you updated and you'll never have to track down your commission. We'll also make you look really good to your client. And best of all, it helps us keep all this content free. So go to kevinandfred.com referral to make the introduction. We'll take great care of them. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of eXp Realty and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds, digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com slash contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.